Welcome to the Inspiring Leadership podcast series. This is aimed for you aspiring leaders, whatever level you're at, whether you're beginning out in your careers as managers and leaders, whether you're in middle ranking roles, or whether you're CEOs and chairman of boards, there's always something we can all learn. And it's particularly the skills, stories, tips and techniques that you can pass on to those you lead and your teams. Hello, I'm Jonathan Bowman-Perks and welcome back to my favorite time of the week. And as part of the Inspiring Leadership Series, I am very fortunate to have Mike Hope, who is the Enterprise Director of Pearl and Dean, which as a child growing up, I always had that music, da-da, 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 da-da-da. And it's really great. Uh, a recommendation from Joe Copeman who found that he'd learned a lot from Mike as he was growing up and covered for some of the mistakes that Mike, that uh, Joe made, that Mike helped him with, digging him out of large holes that he'd fallen into. And so uh, really great to have you on board and, and welcome, Mike. Oh, thank you very much. No, good, good to be here. You're very yeah. honoured. Well, it's, it's great. And let's go into the, 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 the here and now. Tell, tell us a bit about your current role and some important aspects of it. You know, just in a couple of minutes, just give us a bit of a flavor about Pearl and Dean and what you're doing as Enterprise Director. Yeah, so Enterprise Director, the first thing that people normally say to me is, what does an Enterprise Director do? Um, <laughs> and I quite like it that way because uh, you know, it gives me a little bit of freedom to, uh, to, to explore different things, but essentially I'm the Commercial Director, so I'm ultimately responsible for all the revenue coming into Pearl and Dean. Mm -hmm. um, uh, uh, but I'm lucky enough to have a great team that sort of that work with me um, that look after the day-to-day -day. so I spend a lot of my time sort of looking for new revenue streams new business strategies to, to ensure that the you know we, we continue to do well going forward yeah fantastic and and tell us a bit about the crisis the COVID-19 crisis how it impacted you personally um, and also um, you know, how it's impacted your business and your advice for dealing with the crisis, because I'm sure over the time and the variety of different jobs that you've done, perhaps you could mention some of the different jobs you've done in different places. Um, your sort of top couple of tips for dealing with the crisis and the problems. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, when, you know, the core part of our business is, um, is selling cinema advertising. So when COVID hit and all the cinemas closed, that's obviously not brilliant for our business. Um, and they're sort of slowly recovering now. So we've had, you know, we've had a few months where there's literally nothing to sell, um, which understandably could put the fear of God up indeed, <laughs> uh, you know, number of the team. Um, so the first thing that we had to do was to sort of batten down the hatches, um, make sure that everyone was calm, make sure that everyone understood that we had a plan, uh, which we did. Um, we acted quite quickly, so in the early days, um, to ensure that financially we could sort of ride out the, the roughest parts of this crisis. Um, and then, uh, you know, once you've got the team sort of settled, um, from my personal point of view, it was a case of focusing on what we could do rather than what we couldn't do. So, um, as I said, I, you know, part of what I do is find new revenue streams. So I had to quickly find some new revenue streams over the last couple of months. And a, a big part for us has been with drive-in cinema. So, mm. Yeah, out of the COVID disaster comes new opportunity. Um, quite a lot of driving cinemas across the, the country and I've spent the last four months really working predominantly with them 
um, and generating revenue, and you know, or at least generating enough revenue to keep the uh, keep the wheels turning at um, at Pearl and Dean. And now that cinemas are slowly starting to open again, and we're starting to see light at the end of the tunnel, um, you know, it's you know, it's great. We've 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 survived well. Um, mm. Big part is due to the team. Um, yeah, you know, I think I've, I've mentioned to you before the you know, I think any sales team can do well when things are good. Um, but when things are really tough and, you know, things don't get much tougher than this, really, um, that's when the true metal of a team shines through. And I have to say that the, the team that I work with have been incredible. Yeah, yeah. So, and and on, on with the crisis on the personal side, you know, with your, your children, uh, your two boys are in France. Yeah. And your father, who's 76, is, who's had a, a lifetime of skin cancer, he's... Uh, and that that list of vulnerable people who have to like our mother-in-law have to be sheltered at home yeah uh, how are you coping with that and, and what did you learn from that really yeah no I mean that's that's been tough obviously you know I see my kids as much as I can um they live in France so uh, I've just I just picked them up last Sunday actually but that's the first time I've seen them since mid-February um so that's been tough um but obviously keeping contact with them via Skype and what have you and Everyone understands. It's just a case of, um, you know, accepting the things that you can change, and you know, and, and recognizing the things that you can't really. Um, mm. So anyway, but it, it does mean that when I picked them up on Sunday, it was fantastic. <laughs> so you know, that not having seen them for a while, that that made seeing them on Sunday all the better. And maybe from their point of view, maybe appreciate me more than they normally do. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so that was lovely. Um, yeah, as you mentioned, my father's been ill um, and shielding, so that's been frustrating having him, you know, quite a few miles away and not being able to really get down and see him and help him. Um, so that's been tough. Again, very reliant on Skype um, and uh, communicating that way. And uh, this, just a few days ago, I went down there and we met at a mutual campsite. Uh, down in Devon, um, stayed several metres apart, etc. But at least I could get some face-to-face -face with him. He got to see the kids, mm. see the grandchildren, which gave him a real morale boost. So, mm. you know, it's tough um, and it, it, you know, it, it provides tough times. But as I said, you have to focus on what you can do and, and how you get around some of those challenges, really. Yeah. yeah to no. make the most of it. But really? uh, yeah, I'm, like I said, generally speaking, personally, I feel very, very fortunate in terms of how things have been over the last sort of four months you know I'm still working albeit on severely reduced I would say it's reduced hours it's not reduced hours the hours reduced. are longer <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but you know I'm working and I'm happy at home um, you know mm. I've got a great wife and uh, I've been married for a year I understand yeah uh, yeah almost a year it was November last year we got married so, um, so it's a good test for the marriage year <laughs> in and you're, you're still together so that's good we're still together yeah like I said, she's passed with flying colours. She's been amazing. Um, I'm not sure she'll say the same about me, but uh, sure, yeah. yeah, no, it's uh, great. It's been good. I feel very lucky. Timing-wise, it's, it's it's been great. Um, and if you were to pick top top two tips for dealing with the crisis, you know, this is just mm -hmm. another crisis in your life, but you've been through many. What would yeah. be your, your top two bits of wisdom about dealing with the crisis? I think I think the main thing is to first of all to stay calm mm -hmm. and not panic um and not to um have knee-jerk reactions you know is actually take a few deep breaths 
calm, try and settle the troops, you know, settle, settle the team and make them feel that you're calm and uh, in control. Um, mm -hmm. And then really to focus on, as, as I mentioned, is to focus on the things that you can do rather than the things that you can't, you know, yeah. focus on the things that you can have an influence on and don't spend all your time and energy worrying about the things that you can't influence. No, that's, that's, that's very wise. Think about things I can control. I'm just checking what my puppy is actually, what puppy is actually eating. I have, a, as I mentioned to you, 11 week old puppy who's now chewing happily through various things. As long as it's not the wires, uh, yes. we're okay. Um, you disappear, I'll know why. Yeah. That's right, suddenly uh, comms go. And the whole series is, as, as it says above my head, inspiring leadership. Um, you, you were telling me about uh, one leader, Ian, uh, yeah. who you found inspiring and what it was about him as a leader, which at first you thought he wasn't a very good leader, but then you right. realized just how smart he was being and, and what a legacy he's left you and yeah. where you are as a leader today. So tell us about Ian. Yeah, so Ian Lewis, uh, Lou as we knew him, he was a grumpy old Welshman. Um, you know, I joined my first ever media job, I joined a company called Zenith Media um, along with five other grads. And, uh, you know, we all got brought in and then someone piped up, oh, we've got six grads, have we? We've only got five terminals. Uh, we didn't have PCs back then, but we did have terminals that could do, you know, a bit of the work for you. And Lou said, oh, don't worry, Mike doesn't need one. You know, so looked at him, was like, thank you very much. Um, so while all the other grads were busy getting to terms with their sort of terminals and working out how things work, uh, Lou got me to do all of my TV schedules by hand, you know, with a calculator um, and work through everything, you know, and then he'd give me sort of other campaigns and mix it up a bit and, oh, here's a tricky one for you, Mike, see if you can work that one out. Um, it was only later I realised that half of those jobs he got me to do didn't actually exist in the first place. He was just trying to get me to, uh, to develop, but he did it in a very sort of sombre, grumpy sort of way. <laughs> Um, and it was only later, I mean, I, as the more I got to work with him, the more I really got to like him. Um, you know, really, he's a very bright guy. Um, he taught me a lot. Um, but it was later on as I started going through my career and was negotiating with people, the fact that I'd been through everything by hand, I understood how all the numbers linked together. I could do it in my head. So if I was negotiating with people, I was a lot quicker than any of them in terms of coming up with the right numbers. I mean, I remember, I remember one time I was negotiating with someone. You sent through a proposal. I looked at it and I said, um, no, that's not right. That can't be right. If you're asking for that coverage and that frequency, that isn't that. She went, it is, Mike. I'll tell you now, it's not. She said, it is. I put it in the computer and that's what it said. <laughs> Even though it was like saying two plus two equals seven, you know, it was, um, it was that bad. So, yeah, so I'll... I'll always thank him for it and actually I, I did I bumped into him about 10 years after leaving that company and I bumped into him at a, an awards and I said Lou I've been hoping to bump into you for the last 10 years because I wanted to say thank you. Um, that is a, a lovely story Mike and, and I think it, it raises for me and for many others who are listening that, that we need to go back and find people who mentored us or helped us and say thank you. Um, you know, people who believed in me when I didn't believe in myself or didn't realize what I could do made such a difference to me. People like John Griffin, who was my commanding officer and mm -hmm. an SAS officer, or even some teachers that I have. My daughter, Harriet's a teacher. 
and she makes a huge difference to the children that she helps them believe in themselves. I, I think that's really good going back. So from inspiring individuals to what about an inspiration team that, that's really cope well with crisis? Which would you pick in, in all the different jobs you've done? And, and what is it that makes the team work together well? Mm -hmm. And we talked about going from a toxic, a toxic turnaround from a toxic team. Yeah, I mean, it's dysfunctional I'm, to a good one. Exactly. I'm, I'm going to pick the team that I currently work for. And that's not being sycophantic or anything like that. It's the fact that, um, uh, you know, the CEO and I, we sort of both moved over to the to Pearl and Dean well, within the space of six months of each other. She brought me along to help when she moved in there. Um, the team we inherited was very toxic. Um, you know, you had different divisions within the team that used to compete aggressively with each other. Um, it was, I mean, <laughs> you know, we had one team called the innovations team that was a complete oxymoron because they, you know, it was, they spent most of their time covering, you know, covering themselves rather than going out and trying to do new things. Um, but, you know, Catherine, my CEO, she's a great people person, great believer in, you know, people and, she likes to build a strong family. I mean, we always refer to the, our company as a family and we are a bit like a family, you know. <laughs> Her and I are like the mum and dad and then the, um, you know, we've got the kids there and we sometimes we fight, sometimes we have to, you know, tell people off, but generally, but we all look after each other at the, at the end of the day. So yeah, we've been working there for, um, well, I've been there for, I think 14 years um, mm. or coming close to it. Um, and during that time, we've had lots of ups and downs. I mean, this is probably the toughest one that we've had to face, but we've had, some pretty serious ups and downs along the way. Um, and and we'll, and we'll talk about that in a moment, but I just want to, when we were chatting, mm -hmm. I, I love the comment that you made about the team, taking it from dysfunctional and toxic to, to working well together. And mm -hmm. particularly that they're not siloed. They, they you oh, yeah. and they see it enterprise wide mm -hmm. and, yeah. and colleagues, not just in your little division of sales yeah. as commercial director, you've got to get on with the finance team and, and others and marketing. And, and, it, and it's that collaboration and seeing it as success yeah. together. Yeah. Oh, that's right. It, alone. Exactly. You, know, I mean, you, you said to me, you know, how big's the team? I said, well, the company's 32 people. And you said, yeah, but how big's your team? And I said, well, I don't really see that team as being separate. You know, there isn't, you know, the sales team could be the, seems to be the ones that get the glory, get the money in, but without the input from all the other parts of the company, that would never be able to happen. Um, and that, again, that's something that Catherine and I have worked hard to, um, to make that happen. And it, and it is true team spirit. So, you know, if our sales team come to our scheduling guy, at the last minute, say, look, I know we've closed the reels. I know that, you know, the deadline was two o'clock today so that you could go home and have a weekend. Is there anything we can do? He won't even bat an eyelid. He'll go, oh, no, that's fine. I can sort it out. Even though it means him not getting home till eight or nine o'clock that evening. Um, yeah. You know, so it is, it is a proper team. We, we don't, yeah. I, I, you know, we don't separate between the sales team. The, you know, yeah. We're all in sales. That's, that's very, very healthy. And, and then really my next question was on to that one, and you alluded to it, that um, humility is very important in an inspiring leader and, and also preparing to learn from mm -hmm. our mistakes. If you were to pick a mistake, and I assume you've made more than one, um, which story <laughs> would learning. you pick? I've done lots yeah, of learning. <laughs> which story would you pick? And, and what did you learn about being a better leader from that? 
Yeah, I think the big, I think the biggest one I can think. I mean, there's been lots, as I said. But I've, I've, yeah, we all we all make mistakes, um, and like I said, as long as you learn from them, I think I think mistakes are a great thing. Um, probably the biggest one I did was when I first joined a company, Capital Radio. Um, I'd inherited this team, um, you know, team of 22 people. Um, I'd I've been brought in because I actually I was I came from an agency background rather than a sales background, and to put a different perspective on things. So I. I spent the first sort of few weeks assessing how the team were operating. I had a few ideas of how we could do things differently. I was convinced that if we did things differently, it could have a significant impact on the revenue that we generated. I talked it through with my boss. Uh, we sort of worked things out there. So, you know, I spent a few weeks sort of coming up with a new plan. And this happened to coincide with when we were doing the budgets for the next fiscal. Um, but I was quite confident by doing it that we could actually increase our revenue by about 20%, which at the time, the current market rate of inflation was probably 3 or 4%. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was chuffed with myself. You know, I was thinking, oh, brilliant. He's got some great ideas here. This is going to really show the team what a great leader I am. So I you know, got them all together in the sales meeting. I said, and as you know, it's budgets for next year. I've been working with Rob and putting these together. And, you know, the rest of the teams in the business are all aiming for about sort of four or five percent i said but this is our target for next year 20 percent and rather than sort of seeing that sort of jubilation and them carrying me out on their shoulders um obviously their faces dropped they just thought this agency bloke really hasn't got a clue about sales has he He hasn't got a clue about our business what has he done um and obviously to, to make things work within the sales team you need um a motivated, inspired team to do well. And it took me a good couple of weeks to then backtrack, go through (laughs) everything with them to explain how we were going to do it. And actually by doing it, how it was going to benefit them and and make them and our team look good within the company. But you you raise a very good point that, uh, and you know, you're very good with your numbers and obviously uh, it's something that you did on the paper with um, Ian Lewis. but time and again, um, leaders who begin by being transactional rather than relational. And here I've got, I've just brought down from the mountain, the 10 tablets. And, yes. you, know, they, you know, I've solved it. And they'll they, they go, I haven't been involved in this. This, this, is, this is rubbish. I just like, I can't, I can't commit. So you, you've learned about buy-in and yeah. the hearts and minds. Yeah. and understanding what drives and motivates them. Someone called it YFM and whammy. What's in it for me and mm-hmm. what's against my interests? And you, you write at the piece of paper at the top, you know, increasing sales, and you put all the names of everybody down and the columns, what's in it for me and what's against my interests. And you put yourself in their skin. Mm-hmm. And you think, if I was them, what would be in it for them? Yeah. What's against their interests? Wow, God, this, yeah. this is for them, not good at all. How do I... How do I see it from their point of view? How can there be more in it for them? So that's yeah. it's a, it's a really good one. Okay. And then learning from mistakes onto darkest moments of your work mm-hmm. or your personal life and what you learned from it. Which, which would you pick for that? Yeah, uh, well, I, I, I said to you, I'll be very honest. And by far the darkest time of my life was when I got separated from my partner at the time and separated from my kids. Um, and... That was a very, very dark time for me at the time. Um, wasn't happy with the fairness of everything. Um, being separated from your kids is one of the worst things that you can experience. Um, and I was, yeah, I was 
not in a good place. I was in a, you know, I was drinking too much. I was trying to find other ways of just making the pain sort of go away. Um, mm. And obviously it was affecting my work. It was, you know, affecting every bit of my life and probably all the people around me as well. Mm. Um, so that was, that was by far the, Toughest thing. Um, and the learning um, from it? What, what, how, how are you different now having been through, you know, I think we said before that, um, you know, adversity uh, mm -hmm. teaches you about yourself. You learn about yourself. What did you learn That's about yourself and what have you done differently as a result of such adversity? It's, I think it's the, um, you know, it's the, uh, what, you know, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, but it is, it, it's absolutely true. I think if you've been down at through the toughest of times, and you survive it, and again, learn from it, then um, it, it can help frame and put things into perspective as, for things moving forward. As, you know, as, as I mentioned to you, my, my saviour was my best friend, um, who I've known since I was four. Uh, he, he just spoke to me and he said, well, you can either sit there, and he said, it is unfair, it's, and it is horrible, and you can either sit there and just let it eat away at you, and it'll just eat away at you until there's nothing left. He said, but, you know, You've still got quite a bit of life ahead of you, so as tough as it may be, you need to put it behind you, learn from it, and just look forward and look at what you can do. And that's, you know, that's pretty much what I've done. Yeah. Ever since, really, you know, it's, um, you know, I, I, I probably view th uh, the two things that I probably gain from it is one um, in business, whatever. It's never that bad. You know, it's, it's one of my, it's one of my people that used to work with me at uh, Capital Radio. So, you know, we're not packing parachutes. You know, it's not as if, if, I, if something bad goes on, someone's going to die. Uh, well, that's very different in your, <laughs> in your old line of work. Um, yeah, but um, but it's, it's putting things into perspective, I think is a, is a big thing. And then the other thing I do, if ever I'm going into a stressful situation or something's really getting me down, I'm really worried about something, is I imagine myself in hopefully 30 years time or whatever, lying on my deathbed and looking back and thinking, will I be, will I still worry about that little thing that awesome. I'm looking at now? Or will I be glad that I did this and spent more time with my family, for example? It's, it's a very good one. And it, it's, it's called the benefits of perspective. Mm. And there's a little um, tip, which is 10, 10, 10. So when you have a problem that's emerged in your life, personal life or work life, how important will this be in 10 weeks time? How mm -hmm. important will it be in 10 months time? And how important will it be in 10 years time? Yeah. And when you look at it in those perspectives, you sometimes go, this is not a big thing. It is big now, mm. but you know what? Even in 10 weeks time, it will, it will really be nothing. But it, right now it's, it's occupying my mind. Exactly that. So, so from dark moments like that, and thank you for sharing something very personal like that, because it, it, it is what makes uh, inspiring leaders very authentic that they they can think about the lessons they learned from mistakes they had and also from the darkest moments but then what about some humor what, what a, a amusing story you'd have from a difficult time uh that, that made you smile or others smile i mean there's there's lots i mean i i, I do often say that you know my time at pearl and dean when i do move on from pearl and dean and retire i'm going to use it to write a sitcom i think because there are so many funny moments uh, through the time. And I was trying to think of one that would be um, be particularly funny or the, the trouble with a lot of it is you have to be there to, yes. to, yeah. to really appreciate it. Um, but one of the things that is, I suppose, amusing 
situations that has stuck with us and particularly with my colleagues in senior management um, because we actually it's turned into a phrase that we use now so um, I was having some big issues with a contract that we're working on some of the stakeholders um, and one of the stakeholders was being exceptionally aggressive ex exceptionally unreasonable um, basically throwing his waist around I think he must have been bullied at school um, but because he was essentially a client it's, it's it can be a difficult thing to manage and also again knowing myself I'm a very calm person but if I flip, I, I then, you know, I can probably say things that I, I might later regret. Um, maybe not 10 weeks later or 10 years later, but probably yeah, 10 minutes later might regret. Um, so the first, when all this was going on, I thought, right, I need to just take a few deep breaths. And I wrote him this most lovely email response. So he was there raging at me and getting very angry. And I said, dear so-and-so. Um, thank you so much for your um, constructive email. Um, uh, I'd like, yes, the point, some of the points you raised there could be, you know, and I just turned it into that and pretended that he was all sweetness and light. I mean, I just signed it off warmest regards, um, Mike. Uh, I just showed it to my colleague, you know, the, my counterpart, um, and said, there you go. I said, have a read about it. He read it. He, he laughed and then he said I've taken that lesson from your book so every now every now every time we have a difficult situation he'll say oh I've had to do a few warmest regards recently <laughs> so yeah that, that's one example as I said there's 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 lots yeah I mean you have no, to have humor I think to, to you carry do. through sometimes you do we, we, we you and I talked about uh, Roger Steer a professor at Cass Business School a friend of mine he talks about the three hums humanity humility and humor um, proudest moment of your career and your life, what would be there? What would you choose? I've, I've, been, I've been lucky enough to do um, some great things. I'll, I'll say if I go right back to my early life. Probably yeah, just tell us of some of the, the different jobs you've done until Pearl and Dean. Um, so, I've, well, I, uh, what did I do? I dropped out of university first time around, moved to Denmark because uh, I'm half Danish. I wanted to discover the other half of myself. Yep. Worked in a factory painting doors and windows um, until I'd learnt the language. Then worked in Legoland for three years. Then did my degree over in Denmark and then came back and then worked in media. So I've, I've worked in media both on the sales side and agency side since. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's, it's been a little bit varied. You know, I've worked as a mm. barman, I've worked as a bouncer, I've worked as, you know. Fantastic. Um, um, and, and I think what, I mean, that, the one thing that that has given me is... Um, it's, I think, the ability to talk to anyone. So, yeah, you know, I've yeah. worked on building sites and I've, I've also, you know, attended, you know, very posh. Um, yeah, isn't it Rudyard Kipling? If, if you can keep your head when all around are losing theirs and blaming it on you, if you can trust yourself yeah. when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting, if you can walk with kings and talk with the common man, then you'll be yeah. a man, my son. Yeah. I think that's very, very wise. So yeah. from... Um, from that, what about healthy, wealthy, and wise? What one tip on keeping healthy? One tip yeah. on money, and and one bit of wisdom that you've you've been given. What would you pick? Yeah, so I mean, health wise, I mean, it's no surprise about work life balance, etc. Um, I mean, we talked earlier on that we you know we both do triathlons and um, have done triathlons. You know, the one thing I always encourage my team to do. I mean, we we've got a gym membership when we used to work in the office uh, around the corner, but I would always encourage them to. If they if they wanted to or could do is to take 
an extra, you know, have an hour for lunch, but I'll give them a, say, let's take an hour and a half, go to the gym, um, do, do a class, do some exercise, and you'll come back recharged, not just physically, but mentally. You know, I think that having that work-life balance, but also having other passions and, and interests in your life outside of work is really important. You know, you, um, you can't just sit on the sofa and just let everything drain. It doesn't work like that. You need to either do something physical or do something where you're focusing on something else. Yeah. Um, and take time. To, we were talking earlier on taking time to do that, when, especially if you're in, in stressful situations, um, which obviously is, 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 uh, is not new, work-life balance. Um, in terms of getting wealthy, the, um, I think the main uh, the, the people that have come to me in the past and asked for career advice, the one thing that I've, has always stuck out for me and, and holds true, both personally and for people that I've um, been lucky enough to mentor, is uh, if you follow the money, it's going to go horribly wrong. You know, if you go and take a job because Very it's wise. paying you an extra five, ten thousand, however, it doesn't matter how much more it's paying you. Um, if you're doing it because of that, it's not going to work. No. If you find a job that you go, oh, I'd love to do that. Oh, I'd be, yeah, I'd really enjoy doing that. I'd be good at that. Mm. Um, and it doesn't matter. It might be for less money, you know. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, you're going to end up earning a lot more money that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, very so. wise. Very, very wise. Time and again, I've seen people chase the money, be yeah. miserable and never happy. And one guy, you know, I said, have you ever enjoyed any job? He said, no. no. I said, what was your motive for, for each job you chose? He said, more money than the last one. I said, you're never going to be happy. What about um, a bit of wisdom? I wouldn't profess to be wise. And <laughs> no, but you may have worked with people who are wise. And what, yes. what bit of wisdom have they given you? Well, no, well, okay. But I mean, again, we, we, we talked about this very uh, um, a little bit earlier on. Um, the uh, w w one of the mantras or the things that I use a, a, a fair bit is um, the serenity prayer from uh, you know Alcoholics Anonymous or, or for any addicts actually um, you know I've got friends and family that have been through that and that serenity prayer, prayer as a foothold for them you know some an anchor for them I think is true whether you're an addict or not you know can you remember the, 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 how the poem goes yeah Lord give me the serenity to uh, to change uh, to <laughs> to accept the things to accept the things I cannot change the uh, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference very good yeah, yeah. it's a and really good so true really yeah. good bit of advice yeah my um, uh, one of my um, relations in my previous marriage was an alcoholic and and we all had to go to Al-Anon to help help them deal with it and um, you, you can't control them. They, they've got to deal with it. It's, it's their yeah. addiction. Absolutely. Yeah, very, very wise, very wise um, prayer, the serenity prayer. And so final two or three things um, as we, we come towards the end, Mike. What about um, your legacy? What, what would you like to think would be your legacy in your lifetime before you go or maybe when you have gone? But, you know, what, what difference do you think you've made to people or to, to jobs, leaving them better than you found them? Yeah, I think the, um, I mean, for me personally, the, the most, I think you get two types of managers. You can get managers or leaders um, who are a, 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 like to protect their position. 
by keeping everyone down um, around them. Uh, for me, it's the complete opposite. I get so much pleasure from seeing people that I've worked with come through and develop. Um, you know, the last person that um, I sort of spent a lot of time mentoring, when she, you know, she, she was at, she was at Perlandine when I joined um, and I've sort of mentored her and worked with her for pretty much her whole time there. And by the time she left, not only could she do all the things that I could do, but she still had all the stuff that she could do that I couldn't do. You know, she, mm. she, she was amazing by the time mm. she, you know, by the time she left, I felt like I'd had a part to play in that. And for me, that's, you know, if I could do, have any impact a bit like Lou did on me when I first started at Zenith, if I could have had a positive impact on any of the people that I've been lucky enough to work with uh, during the time, then that for me, that is by far the, the best thing for me. Um, yeah. If I'm being completely honest, you know, if I've left a business in good state and it does well, that's great. But that side of it doesn't bother me quite so much. I'm, I'm probably more interested in the, the people that I've been lucky yeah. enough to work with. Yeah. Uh, someone, someone said wisely, you know, remember to send the elevator back down when you get up to the top. Yes. Uh, to, to help somebody else and I, I really like that one uh, final final pair which is uh, your uh, your tips your top two inspiring leadership tips to share with others and then a book you'd recommend other people read and, and why would you recommend it and then we'll wrap up yeah um, again tips for leadership I don't know this is just for my own personal, mm -hmm. uh, your, your personal from your perspective um, I think there's a big difference between being a manager and being a leader um, and I think you know, if you can't, you can't uh, demand respect. You can't uh, uh, demand that people follow you. I mean, some leaders in inverted commas do, I think. Um, but I think the only way that you can, you know, from the people that I've worked with, I, I can definitely categorise those. I've considered to be great leaders and have had a really positive impact on me and those that haven't. Um, so I think it is that thing of... Um, of understanding the people that you work with not being afraid to lead from the front so you know not being afraid to i mean again a lovely thing from Catherine, who our ceo who's our ceo will um we have a rotor for, we did have a rotor for doing the uh cleaning up in the kitchen area but she's on that rotor just because she's the ceo doesn't mean that you know she's exempt from she'll be there washing the plates and sauces and what have you um yeah. so I, I think it's that thing of um not thinking that you're better than anyone else um, and that's because I'm you know no one is um, I draw on the experience of my team and their different strengths and weaknesses you know one of the things we've done is build a team on purpose with different strengths and weaknesses within it um, so it's not being precious not thinking that you know you have to be the cleverest person in the room um, but what you need to be able to do is is um, is that people have confidence in you and feel happy to happy to follow you into either adversity or into opportunity um yeah and you, you can only earn that you can't demand so true. I, I, i've seen that in many situations recently with leaders i'm coaching mm. and, and the book what would which book would you recommend doesn't have to be a leadership book a book on any topic and and why should people read it yeah no i thought about this um i've never you know i've never been one for reading books on how to do management and things like that Although every now and again, one gets put in front of me and I read it and I think they're brilliant. Um, but I've, I've never sort of uh, relied on it particularly. Um, but one book that has had quite an impact on me over recent years in terms of the way I look at things is um, Sapiens. I don't know if you've... Yeah, I have read Sapiens, yeah. Yeah. 
And to me, that was quite... Nua no, uh, Harari, I think it is. Yes, yeah, so uh, I'm glad you tried to pronounce that. Harari, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> Sapiens, very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And wh why was it, why was it uh, worth people reading from your perspective? For me, again, it's that sort of putting things into perspective. Um, and that's essentially what he does. You know, it's that thing of we're only on this planet for a very, very short length of time. Um, and in the grander scheme of things, it's an even shorter length of time. Mm. And it is, again, make the most of it. Don't spend that very limited time you've got down here um, worrying about things, you know, going down long paths. Just make sure you enjoy it and do, um, do good things. Yeah. Mike, thank you. Um, it's, uh, Mike, I hope it's been really great having you on the series. And uh, thank you. Good luck in Berlin Dean and all that's going on. And uh, let's, let's stay in touch. But thank you very much. I know people will value the insights that you've shared. Well, thank you very much, John, for a good time. So now you've heard from one of the inspiring leaders that I've interviewed, what are you going to do next? If you want to get some more free material, go to my website, jonathanperks.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Jonathan Bowman Perks. And there you can get access to my books, uh, Inspiring Leadership and Top Tips for Inspiring Leaders. But if you want to actually do something about being a leader and constantly improving your game, raising your performance, get in touch with me about coaching you or one of your team that you want to raise the game for them. It's got to be people who want to be good to great, not people who you're trying to fire. And if you're looking for a motivational speaker, get in touch. Or if you want me to work with your team coach, I would be delighted to help you.